whether someone showed up for me or not, I was I was ready to to do my workouts because I had a longer end game in mind. And I think it just really helped me to, you know, through those hard moments and want to elevate myself to even harder moments, right? To say this is going to pay off. This is I'm going to reap the benefit of this in a way, you know, during one of these races to get a better time, to make people proud, to make myself proud. Yo, 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 it's your girl and boy CT. I'm Cindy Barnes. And I'm Travis Barnes. And we are the founders of the Overcomers Podcast. The Overcomers Podcast is designed to help you overcome adversity and live your dreams. Every week, we will be sharing stories of people who found their strength in their struggle. The Overcomers Podcast is sponsored by Journey 333. And that's a lot of threes, so let me tell you what it is. It's fitness, coaching, and nutrition. It is a place where we help you to look better, live better, and feel better, and it is mind, body, spirit. Today, we're going to help you get your mind right with our special guest. Hello, Overcomer Nation. I'm super excited today because I have a teammate and a friend on this show who is also a world champion. Yes, you heard it right. A triple crown world champion at that. And I want to introduce you today to my friend and teammate, Brooklyn Nichols, who just won the world championship in all three events in her age group in DECA. Brooklyn, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me, Travis. I am just super excited that we get to sit here and chat today. Brooklyn, let's give people a little history on you. Um, Growing up, were you like this tremendous competitive athlete that was going to become like a triple crown world champion? Or like, you know, tell us a little bit about yourself, you know, growing up. Um, furthest thing from that, actually, I was not athletic growing up at all. Um, my athletic background was dance. I danced from the time that I was three to the time that I was 17. And then I started hitting the gym and I realized that I liked that more, you know, being a ballerina versus lifting heavy weights. It was a little more satisfying. And just, I saw in terms of longevity, myself kind of continuing that throughout my life versus dance. It was kind of done. Um, but even like in high school, I tried to do things like track and I was not competitive. I didn't do well in that atmosphere. I crumbled under pressure most of the time and I just didn't thrive in that environment. So to be able to say that I've competed, you know, at the level that I have now is crazy to me. So that's awesome. Um, we've been working together for a few years. Uh, how many years has it been? Uh, four and a half. Four and a half years. Wow. Oh, that's awesome. That's awesome. So were we your first fitness job? You were. You no. were my first fitness job. Actually, I I was in college when I got my personal training certification through NASM. And okay. in the summer of my freshman year of college, I found you guys through a friend. Shout out to Chase Leonard. And uh, I never left. So I'm still here rocking and rolling with you guys. And I love it. Yeah, and if it weren't for you, I never would have found DECA either. Well, we're blessed to have you on the team. We're, you've been just a tremendous asset. And uh, it's just awesome that we've been together now four and a half years having you as a journey coach. And and I know the members have been blessed by it, but blessed by your inspiration through DECA, your awesome coaching, uh, some of the fun little boxing circuits that you've brought to them. So it's been really cool to to watch you grow and to have you 
take every little bit of growth and then choose to use it as inspiration for the members as well in their fitness journey. So thank you for that. It's been awesome. Well, thank you for growing with me. Yeah, it's been great. It's been great. <laughs> so let's talk about that. Um, how long have we had DECA now? When did DECA first come? It's We've had two world championships, probably a year leading up. To, has it been three years that we've had DECA now? Yeah, I think we kicked off in 2021. Uh, my first DECA event was with you in Sare. That was the first time that I had ever stepped foot in that arena. And it was a DECA strong. And I remember running through the course a couple of times leading up to it. I had a, a time idea in mind and um, it went really well. I was so surprised by how well it went. But then I found out that there were two other variations of this event and they both involved running. Mm -hmm. And I was like, no, no, that's never going to happen. When I was in high school or when I was in middle school, I should say. By high school, I was a little bit faster. But when I was in middle school, I ran like a 15-minute mile, no joke. Like I, was, <laughs> I, I, Travis, I can walk a mile faster now than I could run it back in middle school. Yeah, I was going to say, for anybody that's listening, that's not a runner, 15 minutes is, uh, you know, most people can it's walk. It's really slow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> So when I found that out, I was like, there's no way I'm, I'm done. But back in 2021, DECA was a baby. We were all new to it. And the medal that they handed out was not your typical race medal. I mean, for anyone that does Spartan races, you know, there's a trifecta involved. And when DECA was a baby, they didn't have a full medal that they gave you. They gave you a wedge. They gave you one third of a full medal. And I swear that is how they hooked me was I wanted to complete that dang medal. So about a month later, I did do a deck of mile. It went better than I thought it would. And then eventually I did a deck of fit, but DECA has been something to really help me stay tailored in with training and giving me purpose. Definitely. I've always enjoyed fitness, but I enjoyed on a whole different level now that I have something to put it towards. Well, good for DECA with their marketing strategies, first of all, because you know, they gave a person that later became a triple crown champion a wedge that inspired it all, right? So that was, they that's, did. <laughs> that's what do you mean when you say that DECA gave you more purpose? Let's talk about that. So I think anyone that, you know, comes and goes from fitness can say they are driven by something at one point in time, whether it be weight loss, whether it be performance, um, peer pressure, you know, we all have friend groups that come and go and, you know, the consistency can lack if your people aren't showing up. But whether someone showed up for me or not, I was I was ready to to do my workouts because I had a longer end game in mind. And I think it just really helped me to, you know, through those hard moments and want to elevate myself to even harder moments. Right to say, this is going to pay off. This is, I'm going to reap the benefit of this in a way, you know, during one of these races to get a better time, to make people proud, to make myself proud. Mm -hmm. So DECA lit your fire, you might say. Absolutely. Absolutely. Right. Good. Really good. Uh, let's talk a little bit about uh, a little deeper on purpose as well, because it takes a lot to have all these eyeballs on you and, you know, watching you to see what your time's going to be. You go to different events. It might be a DECA fit that's a regional event or just a local DECA. And, uh, people have expectations on you because uh, you've been taken first in these 
various events. Oh, yeah. Have you ever struggled with anxiety? Big time. Big time. I used to not want anyone to watch me perform. And that could be in fitness and dance. You know, it was always the people that I loved the most and cared about me the most that wanted to see me do really well and be there to cheer me on. But I think it was the fear of letting those people down that I wasn't going to do as well as I thought I should or they thought I should that just kind of kept me from wanting that kind of, you know, support and being in that atmosphere. But ironically enough, journey is the exact opposite of that, right? Like it is our job. It is our community's job to, you know, come together in your hardest, most vulnerable moments to lift each other up and, you know, be that voice cheering you on. And when in the past that used to scare the crap out of me, now I thrive off of it. And I I didn't really have a choice, right? You know, I have being a coach here, a lot of eyes on me and a lot of support. And I am so forever grateful for that. But it did take some time to, to not let that freak me out. You know, I, I am fortunate enough to say that I had four people travel to Dallas, Texas with me just to watch me compete. Let's go. Yeah, that's it. They were just my, my hype squad. And I'm very grateful for that. So let's, let's talk, you know, this podcast is sponsored by journey 333. So for somebody that at an early age struggled with anxiety, when it came to dance and those types of things found a new perspective on what it meant to have people around you and watching you as being part of journey, because now what it meant was to feel supported as opposed to feeling, um, like there was a need to be more anxious, right? I mean, is that what you'd say to somebody? Maybe they're listening. Maybe they want to be part of DECA. Maybe they want to be part of Journey. Maybe they're looking to get their fitness going in the new year. Uh, what can you say to them about if they feel anxiety, uh, the type of supportive environment that they might want to find? I would say that there is no better environment to come to for your first DECA event than Journey 333. No matter what location you go to. I personally have been to other DECA affiliates for their events before. I mean, even going to a DECA fit event, right? The environment is different than what we journey brings to the table. Now journey brings a lot wherever we go, right? Like when we have a lot of people at a DECA fit, you know, we're there. We make our presence known. And I love that about us. But it's just different, you know. They they often call it judging the people that, um, well, judge your performance, if you will, when you're going through the DECA event. They count your reps and make sure you're upholding the integrity of the event, things like that. But here we call it coaches, and I love that for us. You know, that never changes. And when I went to my first non-journey DECA event, and they said we need a judge over here, I'm like, who are you judging? We're not here. <laughs> we're we're not here to judge. That's not why we do this. You know, <laughs> this is for fun. <laughs> That's I mean, great. I, I get integrity, but I was like, look, man, that's, this is supposed to be a very welcoming type of thing. And I love how we keep it that way. You know, I love the moment where we get to put the metal around their neck, the, we get to write down the time. And when we get to say that it was a PR for them, I I think that we are some of the people that started that putting the time on the board, having something to show off. I love that for us. Definitely, definitely. Uh, you know, I, I know that we brought a lot of value as a DECA affiliate and 
And, you know, we've had several shout outs from, you know, the key founder of DECA there, Yancey Culp. Uh, so uh, it's been awesome to be on the journey with DECA and yeah. bringing our special sauce to it. It's been amazing. Uh, so, you know, I don't know about you, but some of my favorite moments are when we get to station 10 and it may be somebody that never thought that they could make it through a DECA. Now, you got people like yourself that make it through there in extraordinary times. And we'll be talking about those times here in just a little bit. <laughs> but, I mean, I'm talking about the person. It might take them all day. It might take them an hour, you know, whatever. And, yeah. you know, they may be they got tears rolling down their face at the end because they're like, oh, my God, that was one of the hardest things I've ever done. But I, I did it. And, and so we get to celebrate them as they complete their last rep and and, you know, hang a medal around their neck and, you know, take pictures with them and those kind of things. Um, you got any special moments like that that, you know, you recall from the past? I love zone number 10. Um, personally, I I love burpees. They're my favorite exercise. And you're not going to hear that from a lot of people. But I love getting to zone number 10 for the reason that you're saying, but even more than zone number 10 is what we like to call zone number 11, <laughs> which is where you lay there questioning all of your life decisions. We, you know, we're trying to pull you off the ground to get a medal around your neck, but really you just want me to throw a cold towel at you. Is That's all you want in that moment. People are high-fiving you and hugging you. You're just trying to catch your breath. Those are my favorite. I love those. Zone 11. I love it. That's really good. And burpees being your favorite exercise, you are a woman after the heart of the founder of Spartan. Because if there's one exercise that Joe DeSetta thinks is the ultimate exercise, it would be the burpee. <laughs> and, and I think he answered him when they talked about including the deck, uh, the burpee in the 10 exercise DECA. Uh, Yancey's like, yeah, but, you know, we need something. And then came the ram. And then it became the ultimate burpee because it's a weighted burpee, you know. So, yeah, yeah really cool. Well, listen, you know, you, you alluded to it earlier, but we didn't go deep into it. Uh, it was about the training that you would do, regardless of if people showed up or not. Uh, there are some people that are DECA enthusiasts, or maybe some people that are thinking about doing DECA, and they'll be listening to this podcast, and they'll be like, you know, she took it home in all three categories. What was her training like? So can you tell us a little bit about your training regimen that allowed you to become a world champion in all three categories? For sure. So I think my biggest takeaway from last year's world championship to this year's world championship was um, don't stop doing what works. All right. Mm -hmm. Like last year, I put a lot of time and effort into the running portion, because as I said, I have never been a runner in my life. Uh, this year, you know, you could say otherwise. I've done a lot of crazy things. I ran my first half marathon. Um, so I did put a lot of time into the running, but I was way more strategic about it than I was last year. And I can only help but compare the two just because of how much drastically different the outcomes were for me. But last year going into it, all I did was run and DECA train. And this year I got smarter and, mm -hmm. you know, I kept my running up. I did speed workouts. I did a lot of compromised running, meaning, you know, you do some zone work, you do some lunges, and then you run hard. And I played with different distances. I did a lot of track workouts. I had a phenomenal workout partner who would get up at the butt crack of dawn with me from June all through November. We even would go to the track in 30 degree weather, you know, bundled up. But one of the days would be a speed workout. One of the days would be a compromised run. 
the days in between, I spent time on the machines, you know, the rower, the skier, the bike, just Mm -hmm. to keep building my aerobic capacity without having to do running because it is a lot on your joints. You can't go from no running to all running and you want to, you know, keep that stuff in mind just so that you don't burn yourself out. Right. Um, Who's an awesome workout partner? Give him a shout Matt out. Cowan. Matt Cowan was my workout partner through all of this. And he did, in fact, go to the world championship with me just to support me. So shout out to Matt for that. Way to go, Matt. Way to go. Awesome. Awesome. Uh, let's talk about the first thing you said, strategic running, the difference between running and strategic running. Uh, what does strategic running mean to you as in your training regimen? So strategic running would be more of kind of what I was saying about speed workouts and compromised running. I think, you know, we think, oh, I'll just get out there and I'll start running. And I mean, if you've never run before in your life, any running is good running, but you do get to a point in your training that it almost becomes like junk miles where they're just putting more and more stress on your body and you're not getting as much out of it as if you were to tailor back on the running and make it just a little more purposeful, right? Instead of running a 5k three times a week, I'm running 200 meters, taking a 30 second rest. And I'm doing that 10 times over. Why? Because when I get to the deca mile event, I'm going to have to run 160s, you know, instead of, you know, and they don't have to be perfect race distance every time, but you want to kind of emulate that situation, you know, going hard for that duration. Same thing with going into a compromised run, you're going to want to rep out 20, 30 lunges and then run a 400 as fast as you can, because you have to get your legs ready to feel like garbage before you go into a really hard run that I think the only way to really set yourself up for success going into these events is to put yourself in a very similar situation than what you're going to experience. So that when you get to the deck of mile, the deck of fit, the deck of strong, that you're not shook up by that. Um, Other things that I did were including simulations more often. I mean, what better way to know where you're at than to, you know, set up a little rehearsal and go for it. Right. So every couple weeks I was doing some type of simulation, whether it be a mile or a fit, typically strong. I don't train too much, just I feel like when you take the running out of it at this point, it's almost like, wow, it's only, it's only a few minutes long. So those events still. I I was going to say, is that what you meant by speed workouts were the simulation workouts or were speed workouts like EMOM workouts or what were the speed workouts? Speed workouts for me were your more traditional track style workouts. You know, I'd get out there and I'd run a mile as a warm up, and then I'd go right into you know, 200s or 400s. Sometimes I do a little bit of both. Sometimes I do 600s. Really playing with distances that um, that complemented DECA, more or less. Um, as I do, you know, different kinds of races, um, then I play with that distance a little bit more. But yeah, speed workouts at the track, you can do that on the treadmill too. Even outside running around your neighborhood, if you have any type of watch, you can easily track, you know, a quarter mile, you know, run and then rest. But that stuff, instead of just getting out there and running at a 10 minute mile pace for three miles, get out there and run at an eight minute mile pace for 30 seconds and then take a break. Like that truly is going to benefit you more. 
Well, really good. And the science is there for what you're saying. You know, uh, it's proven that if you sprint and rest, sprint and rest, it's going to improve your cardio capacity uh, much more than just a steady state few miles will, you know. So what your suggested regimen would be for strategic running would be, you know, maybe warm up with a mile, but then we're talking like 10, 200 meter sprints, you know, you're going to sprint for 200 meters, rest for 30 seconds or Mm -hmm. whatever that might be, you know, walking a half a lap, however that works. Absolutely. Yeah. And then, um, and then the compromise running, you mentioned 20, 30 lunges and then go run like a 400. Were there other exercises that you would do? Would you simulate the DECA mile event, which we all know is like, or even the DECA fit event, right? You know, you're going to do a specific station and then go run, or would you just often do the lunges and then go run? Uh, What would you do? So as I started to grow and as Matt's weight collection started to grow for the home gym, right? We would start to haul more and more things to the track. But when we first started doing this, we didn't have anything. We would do body weight. I remember one day I said, look, man, we're going to do a hundred meters of walking lunges. And he said, what? (laughs) And then he thought that'd go away, but it never did. You know, this time we have a Ram. Now we're doing a hundred meters of walking lunges with a Ram. And it doesn't sound like a lot until you get out to a 400 meter track and you give it a go. Um, Lunges were just one of the best things to kind of shake up the legs. You know, we couldn't bring a rower out to the track, but we could shake up our legs with lunges a few times over. Um, We dabbled with burpees a lot, even though you don't have to run after those. What better to get you out of freaking breath than a burpee or 20? Mm -hmm. Sure. So a lot of lunges, a lot of burpees. Um, I worked a lot on, for me, what were hard transitions. And that's kind of just how I categorized it. Um, I looked at each event and the sticking points that I had, because as I got better at this game, we called DECA, um, my friends, you know, a few of the members, they'd hold my phone and they'd count my laps for me. And they'd be like, this is where, you know, your cadence started to fall out on your runs. These times were a little bit slower and then you picked it back up. This is, you know, the area that you can work on. And for me, it was actually in the middle of the race. It was going from the skier to the farmer carry to the bike. Mm -hmm. So when I found out that that was a sticking place for me, I made entire workouts surrounding those weak points. You know, I would start with a run, get myself on the skier. And I think the hard transition for me from skier to farmer carry was that you had to continue running, you know, (laughs) but this time you're running with weights in your hands. So, and then you get done with that and you'd go run again and then you'd sell your soul to the assault bike. Right. (laughs) Yeah. So that was, that block of the race was a hard portion for me. Um, So I would encourage anybody that has sticking points. I know a lot of clients that I talk to, it's the lunges, you know, they're like, I can do the whole rest of the event, but I can't do these lunges. Well, you know. So start working on them. You know, if you can't do it with a ram, start body weight. Um, The box step overs, you know, I would encourage anyone that struggles with that first portion of the race to put a lot of time into it. There's no sense in beating those things into the ground that you're already, you know, uh, proficient at, right? Go to those areas that you're not good at so that on race day, I would walk in with a different level of confidence that I know that these have been a struggle for me in the past, but I've put the work into it. And that gives me mentally, at least the edge up on my previous self that went in and discovered, wow, I have some weaknesses here. Yeah. So 
Uh, when you say, you know, I discovered the skier, the farmer carrying the bike were my sticking point. So I built whole workouts around them. Do you mean to say that you would take the skier, the farmer carrying the bike? And let's say that, you know, in the event, uh, you're doing 500 meters here and hundred meters on the farmer's carry. And then, you know, 25 calories on the bike. Mm-hmm. And that you would just keep on repeating those three event stations for like an entire 45 minutes or whatever. Essentially. Yeah. And I would try to mimic the race pace that I wanted to hold, right? So I didn't always do, if I were training the deck of fit, I didn't always do a 500. Sometimes I did a 400. Or I didn't always do a full 500 meters on the skier, 25 cals on the bike. Maybe I gave myself a two-minute time cap. Like, you've got two minutes on here. And my times are roughly around there anyway. But it just added a little bit of variety into what I was doing. And then after I would get through a round, I would give myself a two, three minute rest. So you don't always, and this is something that I've learned is you don't always have to maintain race pace effort, the entire workout without breaks. You know, the workouts that we do are meant to get that effort, but then get, get the break. (laughs) You're not meant to run a race every day. Let me ask you this. How important do you think uh, there are many athletes now that wear the my zone that will call them green days or whatever uh they're more of a recovery session type of day you're still on a rower you're on a ski erg or you're doing certain exercises but you're keeping your heart rate down and you're not going to that high intensity how how important were days like those for you or did you have days like those critical they are critical actually so I'm actually going to jump from DECA just to my half marathon training because it'd make you laugh how little I did training for this half marathon, but I came out great. And most people train many days of running. I trained two, two days a week. I did a speed workout and I did a long run for maybe eight weeks. And I shaved off 10 minutes off the time that I wanted for this half marathon why I did that was because I was throwing in other days on the DECA equipment because I always had DECA world championships in the back of my mind. I never wanted to stray from that. But I knew that like we talked about, running is a lot of impact, at least for me. And by doing what we call zone two days, um, which is keeping your heart rate from you know, 65 to 75%, which is higher end blue zone, lower end green zone for those in the my zone world. Um, Keeping your heart rate in that zone for a long duration um, is key to building that endurance, whether you do that in the form of running, whether you do that on a skier or a rower or a bike. But by being able to throw those days in, I was able to keep, you know, maximizing the aerobic capacity that I had while keeping the impact off of my joints. And that allowed me to train more often and more efficiently. Really good, really good. So how long is a training session when you're staying 65 to 75% or somewhere in there? Um, Today, I did a 50-minute run. It could be anywhere, 40, 50 to an hour. I have, in fact, spent an hour on the skier before, and I know that scares a lot of people. But really, I can't stress it enough to people that want to get better at DECA. If you want to, you know, capitalize on those um, those machine zones that a lot of people have weaknesses in, you need to spend more than 500 meters on them. You know, it's kind of like a treadmill, right? Like if all you ever did was 
run a 400 and you expected to improve your mile time, then it would probably be wise to get out there and run a little bit further than what you wanted to do. You know what I mean? Yeah. It so just now- makes you a little more comfortable physically and mentally, you know, having the, the confidence that you can go further than what the event is asking of you is a lot. Really good. That That's an interesting idea too, to just set a workout where you just double everything you're going to do in an event. Or, you know, <laughs> I <seven>. actually, <laughs> I used to do what I called uh, the, the double simulation. So I I do a double deck a mile and I doubled everything. Double the reps. Do it twice or would you the distance. Just... Oh no. I just, so instead of doing 30 lunges, I did 60 instead that's of, cool. yeah. Instead of doing 160 meters in between, I did Oh gosh, math. 320. Wow. Is that right? Yeah, 320. And that was the entire event. So, so it was fun. It gives you confidence. I'll tell you what. Well, let's let's go to Dallas now. All right. So here you've been training like a decamaniac for a long time. Uh last year you were world champion in one category. It was the uh, deca strong last year. And now we're talking mm-hmm. about this year. So you show up in Dallas. It's December 2023. Give us uh give us the whole rundown because when we say when we introduce you on this podcast is the triple crown champion, that means you won the 10 exercise event without running. You run the you won the deca mile, which is running 160 meters in between each exercise. Mm-hmm. And then you won the deca fit, which is a total of 5k worth of running, uh, which is what, 400 meters in between each exercise? 500. 500, 500 meters mm-hmm. in between exercise so what was it like which event did you do first uh you know were you anxious you know just tell us a little bit about the story of being in dallas so looking back on it dallas was like a movie that i wrote and it played flawlessly i couldn't have asked for anything to go better and i should back up to last year's world championship where it was just a way different scenario right i did walk away with a title but it was a miracle that I did that much because I was injured going into it. I had this lingering back issue that I could not get rid of. I was just happy to have been able to compete, let alone win a title. After that situation, and like I said, I, I got myself to that point, you know, being injured and whatnot by giving up on training that I knew worked. You know, I was trying to do different things and switching up too much at one time. And I actually put myself in a worse situation than what I would have been if I had trusted my training, you know, gone with my gut, done the things that had worked for me in the past. And, you know, this year I went back to my notes because I took a lot of notes after last year's world championship. And I'm like, okay, this is what we need to, you know, keep in mind going into this year. And I had a very big goal of winning the triple crown. Like you said, all three events in my age group, I've had that goal since last year because it's really hard to physically be dialed in and win each event, especially on, you know, like the elite scale. There hasn't been a single person to win all three events yet um, on that elite level in the age group. It has happened. And I'm proud to say that I am one of them, but if you want to run your deck of strong, you kind of want to be on the on the heavier side. You want to have a little more power to you. Meanwhile, on the deck of fit side, you want to be light. You want to be fast. 
-hmm. And then there's that deck a mile in the middle. You want a little bit of both. You want to be, you know, heavy enough to pull hard and push hard, but you still need to be able to run. So going into it, I just had to keep all of those things in mind. And there was a lot of pressure because I was seated first. I was, I was the competition and everybody knew that. So I had a lot of of eyes on me going into it, but I was not arrogant walking into it because I was not on any sort of podium yet and I could easily be knocked off of it. And I knew that. Um, Fortunately, my races went better than I could have ever asked for them to go. And I did win by a lot. You know, it ended up being my race and then my competitors a few minutes later, which was satisfying because that's not how it went the year before. I mean, when I won the DECA strong title last year, it was by 10 seconds because I out burpeed my competition who was like a foot taller than me (laughs) this year. (laughs) Yeah, I know (laughs) this year I beat, uh, I beat second place in the DECA fit by about four minutes. Wow. Yeah. Now, which of them was first? You you went to Dallas and, um, you know, of the strong, the mile and the fit, which one did you have? So they went in order of most running to no running. They had the fit on Friday and then the the mile on Saturday and then the strong on Sunday. So the fit won by about four minutes, the mile by two minutes, I think. And then the strong by a minute and a half, something like that. Uh, A buddy of mine did the math and he's like, your margin of victory was like over seven minutes. So that was kind of cool to see. Very cool. Very cool. When you say that Dallas was like a movie that played out, uh, you know, perfectly, it was like a movie that you had in your head that played out perfectly. Mm -hmm. You know, there's a lot in the realm of athletics and sports psychology that talks about visualization and uh, seeing it uh, so that you can then achieve it. Right. Mm -hmm. How, How often did you even daydream or maybe even more focused meditation about what the world championships would be like and how you would transition from one machine to the next and and how your form would be on certain things to just make sure you were totally crushing it was there any element of that in your preparation oh my gosh (laughs) Travis the things that I did you know I mean a normal person would look at me and say girl what is wrong with you I wrote down that I was going to be the world championship I wrote it down I prayed about it I manifested it I truly don't think I would have gotten it had I not put so much mental preparation into it. I got to the point where I started doing these. Well, first I read David Goggins. Have you read David Goggins? Sure. Yeah. Which book? Yeah. Yeah. Both of them. (laughs) Both of them. Yes. Either one. And I don't know. Something switched in me after that. I read it shortly after last year's world championship. And I was like, wow, I need to do more hard things. And I would start intentionally putting myself in situations where the former version of myself, as I like to call it, would struggle a lot. And she would have avoided it at all costs. Um, I hate being cold. I started taking cold showers like Mm -hmm. every day. I mean, to this day, I end every single shower I take cold and people think that's wacky. I tell myself, this isn't the hardest thing I'm going to do today. And then I go out and I smash a race, right? Um, just things like that. I started, I started seeking it out and asking for it. So when I 
got into situations like a really tough race, things that would mess with my head a little bit. I, I just felt ready. Like I wanted it. I wanted a little bit more and that's exactly what I got. But yeah, in terms of it being like a movie, I just really, like you're saying, I visualized it. I had to see myself, you know, with the three medals around my neck. I had to hear my name being said, you know, as the triple crown holder, which it may be a silly goal to chase, but it I made it mine and then I got it, you know? Yeah, no, no goal is a silly goal to chase. If you want it, you should never feel self-conscious about wanting it. You want what you want. You deserve it. Uh, great job to you. Uh, you. Any tips for those decamaniacs that are listening? Like, would you tell people like, is, is there a certain skill to certain stations that helps you to perform them better, more efficiently that can maybe help people shave a few seconds off their deck of time and get a little better? I would say to anyone in training, and I, I tell my members this a lot because I, I do most of the programming for our DECA trainings now. I want you guys to simulate what you're going to feel in a race. So I'll have them do a lot of higher intensity stuff and I'll give them a lot of rest and they'll wonder why, you know, because rest is typically looked at as frowned upon, you know, we're not doing enough, but that rest is actually really important because it gives you the opportunity to go so much harder to, you know, see what the limit actually is. Cause I think we all have these perceived limits. And if we give ourselves that chance, like I love these DECA challenges that they do with the, with the murder bike dead right now. I think people are going way harder on the assault bike than they ever would have tried to, especially in an event because they know they only have to do it for a shorter amount of time. But in reality, like we talked about with speed workouts, that's the only way you're going to get faster is by doing something hard, harder than what you would have for a shorter amount of time. And then eventually whatever you were trying to do just got that much easier. So mm -hmm. I think anyone looking to improve on their deck at times is go a little bit harder than you think that you can, you know, go oh, a little bit faster. That's good. That's good. Now, when it comes to any particular station, uh, you know, it could be the lunge, uh, you know, because there are people now that are putting a hand on the knee. I didn't see that in the beginning, but it kind of stabilizes themselves. Mm -hmm. um, even with the sit up, I've seen just a a really solid like arch, almost like it's a springing uh, back and forth, you know, and uh, is there any particular station that you feel like you learned a lot? And because of what you applied, you're able to do a lot better there uh, beyond, of course, just maybe going harder on like an assault bike or things like that. Right. Um, you made a great point about the lunges. I personally like to get that ram up on my shoulder and start going as quickly as I can. But the method that I use holding it on one shoulder actually allows for anyone with knee issues um, or you know, those that lack confidence in their lunges to have a free hand, right? You have that ram up on one shoulder. I tend to hold it on one side and let it drop down my back. So it almost doesn't feel as heavy. You know, the weight's just kind of behind me and I'm just hanging on. But having that other side, that other hand free to be able to push off of your knee, you know, I always tell people with the knee issues, the proclaimed knee issues, like, look, if you have one side that's worse than the other, Put the weight on your good side. That way you can push off. You know, you always have that hand. That's, um, that's one of the big ones. Okay. Really good. Really good. Well, everybody wants to know, Brooklyn, what's next for you? 
I mean, you finished uh, seven minutes, uh, a total of seven minutes ahead of your competition. So what does 2024 look like for you? So I'm not going back to age group because I think that would be that'd be silly. Right. Um, I wanted to conquer the age group before I went to the elite category. But uh, last year I did or this year we're still in 2023. <laughs> I did qualify for the elite division in the strong and the mile. And I even got the roll down for the fit. But like I said, I wanted to, you know, get that confidence by competing in my age group first. So now that I have that, I am going to go for elite, which is really exciting. I mean, most of the women in that age category or that category are about on average 10 years older than me. So mm -hmm. that was a little scary at first, but I'm kind of starting to wrap my head around it and <laughs> I'm, I'm ready to see what I can bring to that table. Well, the good also, you're still well, growing into your yeah, the good news for you is you're still your prime, right? Because the reason that a lot of them are older than you is because they're in, in their fitness prime. Well, yeah, but you're this good and you haven't peaked yet. I mean, like I that's exciting stuff. Right? I'm really excited. I'm yeah. even more excited now. I gotta shout out my coach, um, Megan Jacoby. Okay, Megan. So, after the world championship. This is something I wanted to just touch on really quick, too, because people kind of they don't foresee this happening, especially when, you know, it played out exactly how I wanted it to. I won that whole world championship and I was on a high for about 10 minutes and then I was really depressed really quickly and it didn't make sense. It was like, why? Like, you know, everyone's still congratulating you and you should be really excited about all the things that you did. But. I've heard it said by other athletes and I didn't understand it until it happened to me too. Um, you should never make, you know, your, your athletic journey be based on winning a title because whether you get that title or not, it's not going to be enough. You know yeah. what I mean? Even, even getting all of the titles that I wanted, I instantly started discrediting myself. Well, I should have gone elite. I should have mm -hmm. gone elite. I, I should have competed a little bit higher uh, that would have made more sense and I would have been more fulfilled. But the version of me last year would have been ecstatic to be where I was right then, you know, yeah. and it's just wild. And I'm really, really, really grateful that I enjoy the journey so much. And I've seen so much physical, but more so mental growth from myself, uh, putting myself through these races and these challenges and um, putting myself out there more going into this year. I am going to continue to do DECA. I really love that. But I'm also dabbling in high rocks. I don't know if you've dabbled yeah, in that yeah. yet, Travis. But uh, Washington, well, D.C., March 2nd, I'll be there. So Okay. All right. <laughs> All right. Good to know. And, uh, you know, yeah, high rocks, uh, a lot of similar exercises, just greater distance, which makes right. it uh, easier for uh, mm -hmm. people, as you mentioned earlier, like if you're going to run a mile on a treadmill, you know, competitively, you should go a bit further than a mile. And high rocks is a good opportunity for DECA competitors to go a bit further in certain exercises. So it uh, sounds like that would be a great way to train. Let me yeah. ask you, uh, I'm very proud of you for choosing to go elite. And what we're really doing is we're, we might be a player that's doing well at our, in our minor leagues, right? In our age group, but now we're going to, choose to go into the pros and we're going to play amongst better players. Uh, we're going to play amongst people that are actually according to their age at their peak. And I'm not quite there yet. 
Uh, how do your times compare to some of those people that are in the elites right now? So I looked at where I would have stood after world championships. My DECA fit would have put me like 17th out of 20. Uh, my DECA mile would have put me, I think, 7th or 8th out of 20. And then my DECA strong would have put me 5th out of 20. So, so where are you going to be in 2024 when you're back at the world championships? I'm definitely going to be in that top 10, Travis. I'd Let's like go. to walk away with a title, but I'll I'll take a top 10. I'd like to make it um, in all three categories. I think that's every DECA athlete's goal, right, is to get an invite to world championship in all three divisions. So we're going to see what we can make happen. That's great. That's great. So proud of you, Brooklyn. So proud. Uh, any any final words of uh, inspiration for our listeners? Any final tips, tricks, anything? Uh, so when I was feeling down after I won the world championship, I had to go schedule another race and that made me feel better. So if you don't have a race on your calendar for 2024, then what are you doing? You should go sign up for something. Really good. Really good. You know, Tom Brady, when he was asked which Super Bowl ring was his favorite, he said the next one. You always got to like be working that. on your next one, you know, this right? True. So, yeah, good for you. Good for you. Thank uh, you. Yeah, well, we're excited to continue to watch and cheer for you and support your journey. And, uh, you know, thanks for being such a good representation of what Journey's all about as a coach and uh, just an awesome DECA athlete for us to watch. You know, it's been awesome. Absolutely. Thank thanks you very much. Yeah, thank you for all your hard work. Absolutely. Thanks for Great job. You got it. Thanks for listening, Overcomer Nation. Make sure if you haven't already, give us a five-star rating. Make sure that you share this and subscribe so you can see all of our future content. That's right. And if you'd like to be a guest on a future show, go to overcomers-podcast.com. If you're interested in our franchise opportunities with Journey 333, then go to www.journeyfitness333.com. And finally, if you like what you heard today and you feel like you're somebody that needs a bit more coaching, go to travisbarnes.com. Yeah!